this story is a story about Naaman, who was a leper and who washed in the Jordan River and was made clean. I've given you the whole synopsis right there. So you know this story well. In fact, there's lots of lessons we could learn from this story. We can learn about God, how God is the only God, how God is able to heal, how God can heal anyone and anyone from whatever nation who believes in him can be saved. We can learn a lot about God in this story. We can learn a lot about from Naaman. Uh, we learn from Naaman how to be humble before God, how to trust God, how to obey God, and how to learn from Elisha and his servant. Uh, we learn how to serve the Lord. Elisha served the Lord to bring glory to God. His servant Gehazi wanted to serve the Lord for greed and for profit. So we can learn all these lessons, but we're not going to learn those lessons. I, I just said them. If you got them, you learned it. If you didn't, then we're moving on. Because we're not focusing on, on God in this story. We're not focusing on Naaman in this story. We're not focusing on Elisha or Gehazi in this story. They all have names. Remember, we're talking about someone who doesn't have a name in the story. And so we're going to focus on, and who was an Israel girl, and who was young. Those are the four words that describe her. A young Israelite slave girl. But the story does begin with Naaman. So let's start at the beginning of the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. I want to use four words to describe Naaman. Specifically, but there was some battle, some victory that he had won for his nation and for his king that he was considered a mighty warrior. He was one who was hardened in battle, one who could take on the enemy and had been victorious. So he was a war hero. He was also very highly regarded because of that. The king of Aram regarded him in high esteem because of the victory he had won in battle. He was very important because he was the general of the army, leading troops into battle, fighting for his nation and his gods. In society, he was at the top. You probably would want to be a valiant warrior, highly regarded, very important, but he also was a leper. The Bible uses a single word that describes all kinds of skin diseases. So whether he had the leprosy that we know of today or whether it was some other disease, we don't know. But obviously it was a disease that affected his skin that changed his life. I'm sure he no longer thought of himself as a mighty warrior and as very important. All he was focusing on was how debilitating it was to have this leprosy. You would be, feel the same way, wouldn't you? I'm sure if, you, if, if we had leprosy, all the wonderful things about your life and all the wonderful things, disease was all 
that he could think about. And of course, getting rid of it is what he wanted to have happen. But we're not told to what, how long he'd had it. We're not told to what lengths he went to get rid of it. We don't know that part of his story. But we know that this is why this girl comes in to the story. She's introduced in verse 2. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who was a servant to Naaman's wife. So those are the four words there in that verse in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2. A young girl to Naaman's wife. Let's talk more about her. That's who we're going to focus on. She doesn't have a name. So that's why we're going to talk about her today and learn from her. So first, she is young. Now that word obviously refers to her age. But also I think if you contrast the two verses, verse 1 and verse 2, that that word also is intended to mean in contrast to Naaman, who was important, she is unimportant. She's insignificant. She is little in stature. Because that Hebrew word can also mean those things. You see the contrast? Here is Naaman, highly regarded, important. He's the highest in society next to the insignificant person. Certainly on the scale of importance in society, Naaman was at the top, and she was at the very bottom. That's how she is described. Also, she's described as an Israelite. This is significant, and I know this map may be hard to see, but from this map you can see the brown part up in the upper right-hand corner. That's where Naaman is from. It's the kingdom of Aram, or maybe your Bible says Syria. It's the same country, different names for it. Sometimes Aram is used to avoid confusion with Assyria, which is a nation that comes and conquers Aram later in history. Naaman is from there, Israel. That is where this girl's from. This girl's an Israelite. Her king is Joram, who is an evil king. The king of Aram is Ben-Hadad II. And the people of Aram worship the false god, Hadad Rimen. So she is a foreigner living in the land where she is. So not only is she unimportant, she's an alien. She's a foreigner. I mean, who would want to listen to her? Certainly someone in Aram would be regarded better and higher and more important than someone who's a foreigner. She's not only a foreigner, she's a slave. We're told how she gets there. Aram, the nation against Israel, went into a town or a village, conquered it, and conquering it, they took from it some of the people. She was one that was taken from her home. Possibly her parents were murdered in the raid. And maybe she's an orphan as well. Could you imagine being 
a young girl with your family, an invading army coming to your village, killing your parents, kidnapping you, and taking you off to a foreign land. That's one of the worst things that can happen to you as a child, isn't it? And that's what's happened to this girl. She serves Naaman's wife. Again, we're not told specifically what she does. Obviously, she's there in the home, helps Naaman's wife. But she, again, and you're thinking about society and the important people in it, she's got three strikes against her now, okay? And she's a slave. And sorry, ladies, there's one more. She gets four strikes, and she's a girl as well, okay? Again, think 9th century B.C., Think about how every single society in those days were patriarchal. How girls, women in general, unfortunately, were not considered very much. These four words in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2, describe this unnamed person. A young Israelite slave girl. Again, the bottom of the bottom when it comes to importance, when it comes to society, really when it comes to someone you would listen to if you had leprosy. Think about it. If you got a, had cancer, is the first person you think you'd go to? No, you wouldn't go to that person. Not with something that important, not with something that needed to be taken out of your life, you go to the most prestigious doctor you could find. So that's why this girl is so significant in this story because what happens next in verse 3 is this. She said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. That's all she says. That's the last verse she is mentioned in. But from that, we learn a great deal of how we should live our life. And you think, how can we learn that much from that one verse and from this one girl? This is it. Verses 2 and 3 is the only parts that she plays in this whole story. She speaks to her wife, if only Naaman would go to the prophet in Samaria, he would cure, he would heal Naaman. So I, I want to use four other words to describe her. And this is where we learn from her. The first word is compassion. How would you feel if your enemy was suffering? Possibly even the commander of the army that came to your village and killed your parents and kidnapped you. And now he's suffering. Most humans would applaud. Most humans would say, I hope he suffers more. Most people would say he's getting what he deserves. Most people would say, how can I make him hurt even more? But she's not like most people. Compassion 
that she doesn't want him to suffer. She loves her enemy. Just like Jesus commanded us to do. I want us to see the verses in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the bad, evil, and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus says, you can take anybody in this world and they will love people who you would consider the worst, vilest sinner. A murderer, a rapist, a terrorist. Even terrorists love those who love them back. So we as Christians, if we only love our brothers and sisters, if we only love people who are like us, if we only love those who are family, who are friends, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, our love, Jesus says, is no different than the love of a terrorist, a rapist, a murderer. They can love that way. Jesus says, I want you to love not like people love. I want you to love like God loves. God loves unconditionally. God loved us while we were still, and that is to love your enemy and to pray for your enemy. And that's what this girl did. She had compassion for her enemy and loved him and gave him the information that he needed. And it took a lot of courage to do that. I want you to think about this. She wasn't asked her opinion of the matter. That makes sense. Again, she was a young Israelite slave girl. Why ask her about leprosy? No one asked her opinion. She just spoke up. Can you imagine being a slave and a she risked retribution right there? Maybe a slap, maybe worse service, I don't know. But it took courage just to speak up in the first place. And then it took courage because who she tells, well, through, tells her, uh, Naaman's wife, for Naaman to go to Samaria, to the prophet who's there, and that prophet, who is a prophet of God, not a prophet of their God, is going to heal him. The gods of Aram. By telling Naaman to leave his country and go to a different god, she's putting down the gods of this country. Again, she could face retribution for defaming the gods of Aram by suggesting another. And think about this courage that it took. What if Naaman wasn't healed when he went to Samaria? Could you imagine what would happen to her then? You dare to speak up, you dare to put down our gods, and you send anything for him. 
You could see how someone like her would just not say anything. It almost seems like her situation can only get worse. There's no way it can get better if she speaks up. But she has the courage to do it. Also, she had great faith. I want you to he might get healed. The prophet might be able to help him. No, she says he will be healed. Her declaration is a declaration of faith. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She says if Naaman goes to Samaria, meets the prophet there, he's healed. He's clean. We pray asking God to do miracles. And I know you pray with faith. I wish we all had the faith of this girl that says he will be healed. And also, she is an evangelist. So I'm going to tell you the rest of the story and what happens to Naaman. And how because of this girl's speech, this man's life is changed forever. You see, Naaman does listen. And he does go to Samaria. First, being a very important man, he wants to get the permission of the king of Israel. of Israel and brings gifts of silver and gold and also of clothes. Which to us seems, well, why would he bring clothes? You know, what kind of gift is that? But remember back in these days, especially garments that were uh, well put together and from royalty would have been very, very valuable. Ten sets of these he brings. So he brings this lavish gift to the king of Israel and asks to have a meeting with this prophet. Well, actually it's a letter that is sent. And when the letter is read by the king of Israel... He thinks that the king of Aram is trying to pick a fight with him. I think I'm God? So Naaman bypasses the king of Israel because Elisha hears about it. And Elisha says, send Naaman to me. So Naaman comes to Elisha. Naaman expected, I think, to be greeted as a valiant warrior, important, highly regarded man would be. As though maybe Elisha would come out and Elisha might even give deference to him. Maybe uh, speak a blessing on him or, or maybe even bow to him or do something. Elisha doesn't even come out of his house. He sends a servant out there to tell Naaman. Naaman hears that and he's upset. In fact, he's furious. How dare he treat me this way? How dare he give me this as the way I'm going to be made clean. He's ready to just turn around, storm off, and go back home. But his attendants say to him, now wait a minute, Naaman. What if Elisha had given you a great task to do? Wouldn't you have done that? The logic is, is perfect. You know, if Elisha had told Naaman to go climb the highest mountain task, almost like a Herculean task, slay the dragon and you will be healed, 
You know, Naaman would have done it. He would have said, yes, I am a valiant warrior. I can do that. Let's say, he's, if you would do that to be clean, why not do this? So he pays attention to the logic. He goes to the Jordan River. He washes seven times. Seventh time, he is clean. In fact, his skin is so clean, it's like baby skin. Have you touched a baby lately? Their skin is soft and smooth. Now, all of us are so old now, it's all wrinkly and dry and everything else. So it's, it's not very pleasant now. Now, Naaman does this, though. And this is why this little girl's an evangelist. Naaman becomes a believer in the God of Israel, the one and only true God, because of this miracle that's happened in his life. In fact, he wants to take some of the dirt there from Israel and take it home with him so that he can worship God by, I guess, standing on that dirt, praying from that dirt, worshiping God from that dirt. He even asked Elisha for Elisha to understand that as the military commander, he may have to go into the temple of the false god and stand there and worship with him to be able to go in there and go through the motions but not really worship that false god because he was a believer in the true God. So think about this. This girl tells Naaman to go to Israel. He does, and because of that, his life has changed forever. Not just new skin, a new heart, a new life, a new destiny, an eternity with the Lord in heaven. In fact, I would say of Naaman, this is the four words that described him at the end of his story, muddy Jordan River, but he did learn to humble himself before God. He was obedient to what Elisha to what God said through Elisha. Because of that, he was clean. He was made new, not just on his skin, but a new creation. Really a person who was saved. And he became a believer in the one true God. So again, I want you to think about who you are. You had four words to describe yourself. Maybe some of those words weren't very flattering. Maybe some of those words you thought made you feel insignificant. Maybe you felt like this girl. Unimportant, insignificant, what can I do? I hope you see from her story and her life, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about us. All of us can have compassion, all of us can have faith. All of us can tell the good news of what God has done for us. I mean, that's free. That's uh, regardless of how old you are or what position you have in society, regardless of how much money you have. All of us can be courageous, compassionate. All of us can tell the good news. All of us can have faith. Maybe think of yourself with some words that are more accurate of who you are. A, a sinner saved by grace, a, a child of the king. Someone with the greatest news to tell. 
someone who isn't insignificant, not someone who's too old or too slow or too anything, but someone who has God himself living within them. But the power that raised Jesus from the dead within you, that's who you are. I encourage you to follow this girl's example. I also challenge you to think of yourself as God sees you. Not maybe as the world forces you to see yourself, or maybe as you see yourself in your worst moments. And use that, be like this girl, to change your life, the life of other people. Father, we're thankful this morning. Thankful, Lord, for who we are in you. And Father, I'm thankful for this girl and for the example she is to us. Father, we have heard your word. So my prayer right now is very simple. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see ourselves honestly. Lord, there may be some ugly things ugly words that would describe us. They don't pray right now that my brothers and sisters and myself would deal with that, Lord. Repent of it. Change it. Those ugly words don't have to describe us any longer. Lord, there may be some words that we use that we put ourselves down with. Lord, may we rip those labels off and throw those words away. Replace them with the words that you see us with. And Lord, I pray when we have those, then we are able to take on this world in your name.